0: Hi, this is Word of Life in Bentonville, Arkansas, and you have tuned into our podcast. This is episode number four, and I cannot wait for you to hear what God has to tell you through our pastor, Bill Rogers. Check it out. I want to challenge you. We say here at Word of Life, we're the three C's. I think we've added the fourth C. I don't even remember what it is. The first three are connect, care, and challenge. So, we want to challenge you today. The Word of God challenges me. How about you? Holy Spirit challenges me. It's called conviction, but it challenges me. I want to talk about the anointing. The anointing is the power of God activated in our life when we believe. Someone said, God's power is always present. But it only manifests when we exercise our faith. I'll give you some examples of that in a moment. To begin with, Isaiah ten twenty seven says that a lot. But the gist of that verse that I want you to get is this. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke will be destroyed. Yoke is chains, bondages, oppression, fear, uh, the the yoke was put on people, it's a real thing, it's put on people around their necks normally to restrict their, their freedom of movement. But the yoke is destroyed when the anointing is activated, the anointing. In Matthew chapter 8, <clears throat> Jesus simply said to the leper, be cleansed. Be cleansed. He activated the anointing when he said be cleansed by faith. Be cleansed. The anointing is synonymous with terms like the power of God, even the Holy Spirit. The anointing causes different reactions. The reason that there was a group of people, religious people, Christian people, In history, a few hundred years ago, they were called Quakers. They were called Quakers. You can Google it and find out. They were called Quakers because it says their religious experience caused them to shake. I've seen that happen. We weren't called Quakers. We were called Pentecostals. I've seen it in many services. I've I've seen people react differently differently. To anoint means to rub with oil, to consecrate, to set apart, or to set in a position. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul speaking to Timothy, you've been given this gift. You've been anointed, he's saying, by the laying on of hands. It can happen that way. It can happen. And again, it causes different reactions But the anointing has to be activated. Look with me, if you will, in the book of Luke. They'll put it on the overhead. The book of Luke, chapter 5. I wasn't ready. Book of Luke, chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Now, it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers in the law sitting by, teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And listen to this line. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Read through this story. Read through this, and I will read some more of it. But there's there's no... Recording of anyone being healed but one man. All these people are there. Surely there were other people that were not well in their body. But it only records one man. And let me show you why that happened. Verse 18, then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, who they sought to bring in and lay before him, to, to lay before Jesus. Jesus. When they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he, Jesus, saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven. And, you know, there was a little bit of a disagreement, disturbance because of the way he said that. But on down in verse 24, he done that, he said, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Again, Jesus saw their faith. He saw their faith. Let me say to you that If you're sick in body, if you want God to, if you want God to answer for you, if you need something from God, you you may have to go out of your way. You may have to do something different. You may have to go after God. You may have to, you may have to, you probably will have to, you know we have some good medical doctors in this area and good hospitals, but if you're sick, if you don't go to them, they're not gonna help you. Amen. Well, why don't God just come and heal me if he's a healer? Why don't he come and save you? If you're unsaved? No, he only he only saves those that come to him and confess him. I mean say amen. amen. But he is there. The healing power of God is present. The anointing is present, but only one man, as far as is, is is recorded, only one man was healed. The anointing was activated. the The anointing was activated that day when Jesus saw their faith. Then He said, "Amen," and the man was healed. In 1982. 1982, I hope they don't start bombing us. In 1982, this church had a huge yoke around its neck, a terrible yoke, brought on by people, allowing wicked spirits to control their lives. Great bondage, great yoke on this church. It was so bad that I told God and a couple of people, I'm leaving. And God spoke to me. I just spoke to a lady from our church, went to her office and said, I'm leaving. Just want to let you know. And she said, "Me too. We, we are too. I got in my car and as I drove away, the Lord spoke to me and said, no, you're not. No, I don't want you to leave. And I told the Lord how bad things were. I just can't take it anymore. And the Lord spoke to me, no, don't leave. That was in January of 1983, February maybe of 1983, something like that. But in April of 1983, the yoke was broken. The yoke was destroyed. We had a service, and let me just say straight up to you. It was not because I was preaching. My first sermon ever actually, first real sermon ever that I ever preached was in a little building out front. It's on a Sunday night. There was probably 50 or 60 people there, 50 at the most probably. But let me just, let me just say that the yoke was destroyed Because of the anointing. It wasn't the person behind the pulpit at all. I was scared stiff. You want to know the truth. I was shaken and I don't think it was because I was a Quaker. (laughs) I don't (laughs) think it was because necessarily. I, I think it did kind of turn into that. But the yoke was destroyed. And let me just say this. Through the years, that yoke has tried to return to this church. And through the years, the people of this congregation prayed and the anointing is poured out and that yoke is, it's it's not anything, it's not necessarily anything big. As a matter of fact, I'll just tell you, make a confession to you. In January or February of this year, maybe February, something like that, I wrote a note to the leaders of our church and I said, I want you to read this book with me because I sense I, said, I don't remember exactly how I said it. I don't think I mentioned a yoke. But I just mentioned the fact that it seemed like we were not moving. We were stuck somewhat. And the leaders of this church began to pray and seek God. Then later on in the year, of course, we've done the 40 days of prayer. And let me tell you, the yoke was destroyed because of the anointing. I will tell you about that service a little bit about that service because some of you have never heard it. The story, and I love to tell it, but it was on a Sunday night, it was on a Sunday evening, and I just stood behind the pulpit. I heard this, I heard this loud noise. It sounded like a freight train. And I listened again and realized that sound was coming out of my mouth. The sound of a rushing mighty wind coming right out of my mouth. And again, I'm not this was not because it was me, but let me tell you, the anointing will destroy the yoke. If you have yokes in your life, the anointing will destroy that yoke in your life. There is no need for you to be in bondage whatsoever. And all of God's people said, Won't you just lift your hand and say, Lord, I thank you that I'm free? Thank you that I'm free. I have no bondages. No bondages in Jesus' name. The anointing quickens. It makes alive. Romans 8, 11 says it will quicken your mortal body by his spirit, that spirit that dwells in you. Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 5 both bear this out. <clears throat> we have been quickened together with Christ. We've been quickened. We've been made alive. The anointing brings life. Why do people react a little differently? Because the anointing of God, it happens differently. You don't have to be loud, but some people are. You don't have to cry, but some people do. You don't, but it will cause somewhat of a reaction in you somehow when the anointing is there and touches your life. You see, you can't stick your hand in a fire and not have some kind of reaction. Amen? So it has to be activated. Next thing I want us to realize from 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and 27, the anointing is in us, in us. You have an anointing in you, verse 20 and 27. Verse 20 says you have an anointing. I think verse 27 says it's in you. King James says unction. I don't know why they translated that unction. It's exactly the same Greek word as anointing. But in in the King James, it's translated unction, I believe. New King James, anointing. You have, this anointing is in you. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I have an anointing in me. Yeah. Amen. Tell them, I know T.D. Jakes is anointed. Come on, tell your neighbor that. I know he's anointed. But so am I. So am I. Same anointing that was in Jesus, in Jake's, in Copeland, Franklin Graham, whoever. That same anointing is in you and I. Same anointing. It's there for every one of us. But it has to be activated. And it's in us. Then I want us to see that it is on us. It is on us. This anointing is on us. I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Uh, Psalms even talks about the anointing oil that pours down over the body from the head, Jesus Christ. That anointing oil. Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some. Now listen, I'm going to change the translation. This is the Bill Rogers translation. If you don't like it, it's okay. I'm not trying to change the meaning of the Word of God. But I want you to see something here. Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some to be apostles. Apostles. It could say, and he gave some an anointing to be an apostle, an anointing to be a prophet, an anointing to be an evangelist, an anointing to be a pastor or teacher. It's an an anointing that you receive. And by the way, you have an anointing in you, just a little side note, and that anointing in you they may never call you evangelist, they may never call you pastor, they may never call you prophet, but that anointing will flow through one of those five streams. Amen. It, it, see, it's not it's not everybody that stands in the pulpit that's actually flowing in the stream of a pastor or an evangelist. You have you are gifted on the inside. There are people in this room that are much better at leading people to the Lord. In the, in the office of an evangelist than I am. There are people in this room that operate in the office of a prophet. We may never call you a prophet, but that's the strength, that's the anointing that you have. And sometimes other people look at them, I've done it. I've been, honestly, I've been guilty of this. I've been a little critical of people that operated in the prophetic because some of them do get a little out there. What we call flaky. Maybe that office is a little easier for people to do that in. I don't know. But I can tell you right now, the prophetic flow, the anointing for the prophet is as real as any other anointing. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. One of the the anointing that's in you will flow in one of those five veins. Just a side note. He gave some. he, He anointed some to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe it's verse 11, talks about the Spirit distributes to each one individually as he wills. Distributes. The Spirit anoints each one individually as he wills, it could say. You have an anointing. You have an anointing in you. You have an anointing on you. Now how about turning to your neighbor and tell them, I have an anointing on me too. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Even Jesus needed the anointing. Even Jesus needed it. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then in Luke 4, Jesus made this statement. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach, heal, proclaim, set the captive free. That's what he was anointed to do. By the way, that anointing that's in you and that anointing that's on you, God gave that anointing to you for the very same reason, to preach. Again, you may never stand in a pulpit. You may never do that. To heal, to proclaim, to set at liberty those that are in bondage, that's what what that anointing is in you for. It's in you for your good to set you free, but it's in you for you to use to set other people free. You see, the, the word that I speak to my coworker tomorrow, I don't know that many people are going to work with everybody yet again, but... Those people that you see around you and they say to you, I have this problem going on in my life. Normally they'll say something like, oh my goodness, you know, my life is just crashing. And if we're not real careful, we just sympathize with them. Well, you know, I've been there, done that. And that's it. Do you realize That so many times we miss a great opportunity to minister with the anointing that's in us to say something to that person that will help them out of the place they are. That anointing that's in you and on you is given to you to minister to other people. Don't get in on, don't yeah, well I understand, yeah. You know, I'm they tell you I'm sick, I don't feel good, yeah. I had a, a cousin that died with that. You know, don't get into that. Get into telling them that anointing that's on the inside of you. Say to them, how about if I pray for you? Come on. Yeah, and if it's permissible where you work, ask them, can I lay hands on you? Oh, Brother Bill, I would never do that. Well, why not? Why not? What's wrong with that? I mean, we, we, we get into everything else. But, you know, whenever the Bible tells us to do something, it's like, oh, I can't do that. Uh, no, no. I'll get in. I'll get in. The, I'll get right in the in the road with you. I'll get in the car with you. And we can ride along and we can blah 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 about all the you know politics and the weather and riots and blah blah blah. And oh my goodness, so much trash going on. But to tell somebody, to let me help you out of that place, is a little difficult for us sometimes. I mean, say amen. See, I need to be declaring. People talk about acts of God. Why don't God come and do something? God's wondering, why don't we do something? By the way, God's done everything he's going to do. He gave it over to you and I. We're operating under his authority, but we are the authority on this earth. And our voice, our mouth, our words are bringing healing or they're bringing destruction. I mean, say amen. Amen. Help me out here and tell your neighbor he's talking to you. Come on, he's talking to you. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach and to heal and to proclaim liberty. Thank God for that. So the challenge, what are you anointed to do? What are you anointed to do? How many would agree you have the anointing this morning? I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, come on, raise your hand, admit it if you, really, if you really believe you do. If you don't, it's all right. You don't have to lift your hand. I'm not trying to get you to admit to something you don't want to admit to, but you have an anointing. So what are you anointed to do? First Corinthians chapter 12 says, the body has many members. Many members. I believe James Baker is an anointed worship leader. I believe Joel is an anointed singer. If they get outside of that, I don't know. They would amount to much. <laughs> Most of you know this story, and it's okay. The pastor that I'm talking about now knows that I have told this, and he just laughs about it, laughed about it in front of me. We were talking about it. But years and years ago, there was a new church in town, and the pastor called me and asked me, if our worship leader, if James Baker, was happy where he was, would you think he might possibly want to come over here and help us? So I said to him, you know, the good thing about it is, he was, he done it to my face. I mean, he talked to me. He didn't go talking there. I don't, you know, I think somebody else did come from that church did contact James. But I just said to him, no, he's right where he ought to be. And I didn't say it like this, but this is somewhat what I said. He wouldn't be worth a flip at your church because that's not where he's sent, that's not where he belongs. Amen? I believe that's what they're anointed to do. What are you anointed to do? What are you anointed to do? We have people, and listen, back to the body. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 12 said, those parts, those unseemly, those parts that you don't even see what they do most of the time are the more important parts. Inside my body, see, you see my hands, you see my Mouth, my lips flapping right now. But you know inside, they wouldn't be working at all if the parts on the inside that you never see, my heart, my lungs, all that, if they weren't working properly, none of this other stuff would be working properly. And by the way, let me just tell you this, one of the most important parts in the body of Christ that is seldom ever seen are intercessors. The the thing is, the thing is, remember this, Whenever people start proclaiming and announcing and they want the whole world to know they're an intercessor, they probably aren't. They probably aren't. But intercession and prayer, all of the things that you see up here this morning, there are a group of people in this church that pray. I know all of you do, but there's, there's prayer meetings. People get together and pray. Let me tell you, the prayer in this church is what drives everything in this church. The worship, the word, and all that, if it weren't for prayer, it wouldn't amount to much. Just let you know. So what are you anointed to do? What part in the body do you play? To build a house. house, there are home builders in this church. There are people in this church that's having a house built right now, and that can certainly relate to this. I've never built a house. We had one built, the one we live in. To build a house, you need those that are specialists, those that are trained, those that have learned how to do different jobs. You have people that dig and pour the foundation. You have framers. You have roofers. You have plumbers and electricians. Don't ask an electrician to frame your house. Now, he will complain if the framers don't do it right because it does. It can work against him if they don't do it right. You have sheetrockers, yeah, and they certainly will complain against framers if you don't have everything squared up. You have floors, people that do the floors. We had a man come in to our house three or four years ago and redone our floors. And when he was finished or almost finished, I said to him, we need something else done, painting or something. I believe it was painting. He said, I don't do painting. You know how people say, I don't do windows? That's the way he looked at me and said, I don't do painting. I do floors. Just like that. Okay, didn't mean to offend you. I don't, do, I don't do painting. And then he said, if I paint your house, you'll wish I hadn't. <laughs> Floors, finishers, guys that do trim work. And again, you don't want a framer doing trim work. I can do framing fairly well, but you certainly don't want me to do any trim work for you me and this young lady sitting here on the front row, the one in the middle, we built a pole barn one time. My main tool was a chainsaw. You don't need much of anything else to build a pole barn. We we built a pole barn. We built two, actually, but the first one we built, we built out of telephone poles. <laughs> they tore that thing down a few years later, and I thought to myself when they took it down to build a chicken house there, and I thought... I bet they complained at every pole they pulled out of the ground. We had the place where I worked had all this equipment. I dug holes six and eight feet deep. Why did that build some? Well, you know, might as well. We got all this pole. I have to cut a lot of it off anyway, so we stuck them in the ground. And, and then and then she lifted me up. I was in a bucket of a backhoe, and she lifts me up, and I'm up there with a chainsaw cutting the tops of them off. You know, wherever, whatever length I need them. We got all that all that pole in the ground i thought to myself well tornado may take the roof off but it'll never it'll never take the pole down <laughs> by the way i done my part she done her part we built the barn it works that way and by the way it's that working together as you people who build houses or have houses built as you know it's them working together that gives you a good house when they don't work together and a lot of times they don't because they never think they always think the other guy doesn't do it perfectly and you know what is really a problem in the church is when people start saying well they don't do their job right and what I want to say to you and I have a few times said to people why don't you take care of what God's called you to do and let them take care of that I mean say amen can you all still love me now Amen. It's that working together to build the perfect house. Is this church perfect? No. I'm just saying, though, the kingdom of God has to be built, and it's built by people like you and I. I mean, say amen. amen. Ephesians four sixteen. Everyone doing their part causes the body to grow. Everybody that is set in, anointed to do their part, causes the body to grow. Colossians 2:19. By the way, you and your function, your anointing is important to building the church, to building the kingdom of God. Colossians 2:19, holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. So again, What are you anointed to do? What are you anointed to do? You know, if I preached a sermon this morning on salvation, I'd give a salvation altar call. So I'm going to give an altar call this morning, and we're going to minister to you. We have a couple of teams. By the way, let me just say this. These couple of teams are going to come up, and they're going to have masks on. So please let them pray for everybody. Okay? And so whatever God's called you to do, if you're sensing, I am anointed, God has put a call on my life, but I'm not doing anything with it. First of all, we want to pray for you and agree with you that you will, you get activated. You need to be activated. I mean, say amen. Uh, turn to your neighbor now and tell him, uh, he's talking to me now, not you. Activated. It's called Activated. You know what will cause this church to grow? You know what will cause the kingdom of God to grow from this church is when you and I do our part. Every one of us do our part. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we're a, we play a part. We play a part in the body of Christ. We do. Each one of us plays a part. Each one of us is anointed. Each one of us, each one of us, we are called to do something. We are called to do something. Thank you, Father. Well, wasn't that a great episode? I sure hope you enjoyed it. I hope it enriched your life. I hope it is helping you live a life better after the love of Jesus Christ. If you enjoyed it, I want you to make sure you click on that subscribe button. Also, you can go to our website, WLFAR.com, and click on the give button and help support what God is doing in our region. God bless you.